0: Rainmaker FM You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm/digitalcommerce That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. Welcome to The Digital Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sean Jackson, and I'm joined, as always, by the accelerated Katie Katz. Katie, how are you today?
1: Accelerated. <laughs> I'm accelerated because it's January. That's right.
0: That's right. So, Katie, you know, over the break, I did a lot of reading, and of course, we did a show about trends that we see for the coming year, etc. But you know what? There is a topic that has been around for a while that all online marketers are grappling with. And it was something that Google did that has caused a lot of, I I want to say, angst in the marketplace. What was it? When
1: doesn't Google cause us (laughs) angst, Sean?
0: So tell our audience what that is.
1: So this particular topic that we're talking about today is AMP. And the reason it came up is because there was some new new information that came out, some studies that show that AMP is really helping with mobile responsiveness and mobile effectiveness um, and optimizing your content for people who are on their cell phones um, or their tablets or whatever device they're accessing your content from that's not their old computer. That's right. So we found an expert who can talk to us about how do we talk to our clients about this, or if our clients come to us asking to do it, how do we com- help them prioritize.
0: Yeah, I think this Google AMP, or just AMP is now it's called, really was a a big bomb dropped on the webmaster and online community. And I think a lot of people have been struggling with it. What is it? How do I use it? You know, should I make the time investment? Because anyone who's looked at it will tell you it's, it's a big change. It's fundamentally altering how we look at our website in the Google universe. And so because of that, a lot of people tried to implement it with some success, some failure, and so it really has been something that has been around for a while but i think now people are talking about it more so as katie said when we get back from the break we will have an expert on to determine if you should even think about this in your 2018 plans or is it something that you can ignore and we will answer that question for you when we get back from this short break
2: Hey, my name is Brian Gardner, and I am the creator of StudioPress, the first premium marketplace for WordPress themes. When I created StudioPress, I could never imagine that more than 200,000 WordPress site owners would use StudioPress to build some of the most elegant and inspiring WordPress sites on the web. And I am not just talking about the numerous large companies that use it. Tens of thousands of food bloggers, podcasters, affiliate marketers, real estate agents, photographers, and many more have created some of the most compelling mobile responsive websites using StudioPress. But that is not all. To make it easy for you to create a compelling WordPress site, we have introduced StudioPress Sites, a turnkey simple method to create and grow your WordPress site. StudioPress Sites includes many of our most popular WordPress themes with unique SEO tools and plugins all integrated on our high-performance, secure, and actively managed hosting infrastructure. So when you are ready to take your WordPress site to a new level without the worry or hassle of less robust solutions, then I hope you will visit studiopress.com. Over 200,000 bloggers and webmasters trust Studiopress for their WordPress site, and we work hard every day to earn it.
0: Welcome back from the break, everyone. So Katie, please introduce us to our very special guest today
1: excited to so we have Ross Simmons on the show and I've actually been connected to him through social media for a while now but I believe this is the first time for both of us to actually talk to him in person so that's very exciting for me um, Ross is the founder of foundation marketing a content marketing agency based out of North Carolina that focuses on b2b brands and startups he's also a co-founder of a software platform called crate which helps you discover and curate content through your social 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 platforms.
3: Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you guys today.
0: All right, Google AMP. Okay, it almost reminds me of the fact that every time we get comfortable doing something on our website that Google has told us to do, they come back and they change the rules on us again. hundred (laughs) percent. And I think that was the initial reaction when Google Accelerated Mobile Pages came out, is all of a sudden, now Google is changing the rules once again. And so before we get into the pros and cons, et cetera, why don't you just educate our audience on what the heck is Google AMP?
3: to start with. Yeah, so they've been uh, really pushing for it to be called just AMP, right? Like they've been really pushing accelerated mobile pages project on its own, no Google association. That's really what they've been pushing for. At the same time, it is important to recognize that it did start all by Google. It's an open source initiative right now that is trying to get publishers to create more mobile-friendly content that is served up to um, people who use search. The idea behind it, or at least what Google has told everyone, is the fact that publishers were getting tired of these their mobile traffic kind of suffering because their websites were too too choppy, too slow. And they had this like big kind of brainstorm where they came up with this idea, we need to change mobile web, which is what AMP kind of did. For the past few years, it's been branded as Google AMP, Uh, there was some negative pushback that came with that, so they've been pushing now, more recently, to just call it AMP. They want it to be associated as an open source project, and don't get me wrong, there's still primarily only Googlers working on it, but Google is really trying to differentiate themselves and separate themselves from it to make it seem like it's its own entity, it's its own project, it has nothing to do with Google, it's just its own thing.
0: All right. So let's break it down to something that our audience can understand. There's really two mechanics of uh, AMP as I understand it. There is the first mechanic, which is the code on your website, right? What is the code on your website actually structured, how it's formatted. The second part of it is the delivery network for that content. So really, are we talking about, when we talk about AMP, two things, the code on your site and the delivery network that Google provides to serve that up? Is that what AMP really... 100%.
3: So today, you visit a site that doesn't have AMP installed. You're essentially going directly to somebody else's server, their own kind of web platform, and you're getting their HTML, their JavaScript, their code directly off their site. What AMP is doing is it's taking all of your code, your HTML, paring it down, putting its own language on it, and then it's saving it on like a Google AMP cache, which is like their own server, and then giving it to you faster because now you're getting it directly from Google. It's in your browser and you don't have to hit somebody else's server in Alaska or in New Brunswick or in Canada. You just get it direct.
1: So the second part of what you said about how the content is now being hosted on Google server it has led some people to have theories about this is Google trying to steal more traffic from your web. and trying to come up with another way to own the entire process of um, web searching. What is your opinion on that?
3: I think it's a fair concern. I think at the end of the day, they are pushing very heavily that it's not anything to do with Google's like overarching plan. That this is their philosophy of don't be evil. They're not trying to be evil here. They're trying to simply make the mobile web more friendly. But we've all been in this cat and uh, bait switch game before, where we've done what Google has said, and then the next thing you know, there's a new algorithm change that results in us giving them a handful of data. We've seen it with Facebook too. Like you, we paid all this money to get likes on our page. Now we have to pay to get access to the likes on our Facebook pages. So there is a lot of hesitation to it. Um, but the big thing that is promising around this idea is that Google is pushing heavily for other organizations like Pinterest and other teams, people to kind of give their team members a sponsorship so they can get involved with the project and really add their own ideas to it. So there, there is a bit of kind of a, a glimmering light that makes me think, okay, maybe Google is on our side this time. Maybe they are just trying to make mobile faster and they don't really care about kind of our data. But at the core, I still feel burned from the past few years <laughs> of being a marketer. So. I don't want to go there all the way, but I don't know. It's a tough one. I really think that we have to, we have to tread lightly. Like Facebook Institute articles is another great example. Like we've gone down this path before, and uh, if we keep giving all of our data and our info to Google and Facebook, they're going to use it for their own good because they share, care more about their shareholder value than they do about us any day.
0: All right. So let's go through this a little bit because I remember when this was announced out and like most things, you know, the, the market tries to digest it. What does it mean? You know, who is it right for? Should I be wasting effort? Because it used to be, and you're correct. Google used to say something and we would, you know, march the hand in step with it saying, yes, this is the, what we need to be do. Everybody do it. And then all of a sudden they say, ah, no, forget about it. We don't really mean it anymore. Great. So let's talk about who could benefit from this because I think that's important because this is, is an investment of time. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is not a small change that Google is asking webmasters and website owners to do. So who do you see benefits from AMP or AMP initially?
3: So the, the biggest Industry that is jumping behind AMP right now is publishers, and I think it's a a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. We all know that publishers are going through some troubling times, especially if they started in print and then they made the move over to digital very late. Um, But publishers are investing a lot of time and energy to get behind AMP. Uh, Condé Nast put out a, a great blog post on their tech blog, highlighting how they went through the transition and about some of the bumps and bruises that they had along the way. And you're right, it is not an easy switch, but it's one that I think publishers are are going to double down on because in the short term, publishers get paid for ad impressions and they know that Google is one of the number one drivers for traffic to their site. So they need to follow after kind of the the shiny carrot, which is essentially you want to rank. If you want to be having your content more discoverable, and you get paid based off of an ad model, then you want to embrace Google Amp. So publishers have invested heavily into it. I see them as the number one brand in industry that is investing time and energy and moving forward with Amp. The second one is e-commerce. So I'm starting to see a lot more e-commerce brands actually invest in it and placing their product pages on Amp because they see, like for example, on an Airbnb, uh, if you go to a search on your mobile phone and you look up an Airbnb locally, uh, you're going to get an AMP result. And those AMP results are showing up at the top of Google. You're gonna click it, you're gonna get the content fast. And for them, the, the idea is we're gonna be able to reduce the chances of a lead walking away from our site because the there's stats and metrics out there that show like 40% of your customers are more likely to abandon your site if it takes longer than three seconds to load. And there's no question that accelerated mobile um, pages is Faster. The question is whether or not the ROI is going to happen long term. And so far, e-commerce brands and publishers are saying that it's there.
1: Okay. Um. So, do, would you see this as a possibility for any other businesses out of outside of? news and publishing and e-commerce and tech, um, is there are a lot of businesses and marketing managers who get that sort of shiny object syndrome. There's something new. I want to try it out. How do you prioritize? How do you know if it is the right choice?
3: Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to kind of the value of your, like the lifetime value of a customer. So I think you have to start with your own data and understand, like, what is the, the lifetime value of your customer? If somebody's visiting your site through a mobile search, what's the likelihood of them actually buying on your website? If you are in a business, if you are in an industry where you're starting to see more than 50% of your web traffic coming from mobile, then I think that mobile, um, r- that investing in AMP probably makes sense because I think that at the end of the day, it makes your pages faster. At the One of the, the key issues is the fact that it strips away a lot of the perks and the benefits that as marketers we embrace, such as like the pop-ups and having our own types of ads and things like that. It scrapes all of that away. Uh, but at the core, it is going to give you a competitive advantage when it comes to ranking, uh, when it comes to increasing that likelihood of converting because your page is moving faster. So it does offer that optimal experience. But some of, one of the other downsides is the lack of branding. So today, if you click on an AMP article that you found through mobile, what you're going to notice is that URL that would typically have your website's company name is no longer your URL. It's going to say google.com slash AMP slash something something. Um, so that's one of the downsides. But at the end of the day, I think if you, if you have an audience and you can look at your analytics and you can pull out the numbers that say... Yes, we have people who are buying our product or our service through mobile. I think that it probably makes sense to spend a little bit of time uh, looking into it. But at the end of the day, one of the other things comes down to how much time and energy is it going to take to get this installed? And that is one of the biggest challenges for AMP today. This is just the the excessive amount of time and energy that is required to get it rolling. Um, and there are a few tools out there like WordPress rolled out their own uh, plugin. in Um, for AMP that allows you to quickly install it. If you have a WordPress site, you can install uh, their plugin. If you do a quick Google search, WordPress um, AMP plugin, it'll show right up. You can install that and it makes your process easier. But then you have to change all of these pages and all of the styling to make sure that they're all AMP ready, and uh, that's that's a bit of a challenge as well. You know, and let
0: me let me put this to you, because I'm going to give you the the counter argument to all this. OK, pretend like mm-hmm. I'm a client of yours. OK, yeah, and I'm going to say to you, Ross, you know, a couple of years ago, you came to me and said, Sean, we're getting in a lot of mobile traffic. We need to have a mobile responsive site. Right. So right. we go through and we create up these mobile responsive sites. And then we do that and we say, well, wait a minute, your site is really freaking slow. So you need to go get a premium hosting provider. Right. right. So I went and did that. I, you know, paying a lot more for my hosting because they've given me this content delivery network. They've given me all this performance enhancements for my site, etc. So I've got a fast site and I've got a mobile responsive site. Now you're telling me. That I've yeah. got to go and change my site once again to come yeah. through and make it uh, friendly with AMP uh, because Google says I'm supposed to. And, yeah, I get a lot of mobile traffic, and I think your barometer of 50% or more is a good benchmark. But really, convince me, the client,
3: that you're just not trying to find a new way to you know make money for my website. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think honestly it's a great it's a great point. I mean at the end of the day my my counter to that would be a very straightforward one. Every single year, there's new technologies. Every single year's customers are getting more and more picky with wanting a better experience. And because of that, we have to evolve as marketers and as brands. Like We need to constantly be striving to give our customers and the people who are visiting our website optimal experiences. And if you want to look at some case studies, uh, you can look at some of the people who have installed AMP and they will tell you like they've seen an increase in the amount of traffic coming to their site because they've installed this. So if you want to see a 10% lift on traffic or you want to see an increase in in 20% potential online sales. Google Amp is able to show you those case studies that demonstrate that it's what's happening. Um, so the, the ROI is certainly there, uh, but you have to make sure that you're in one of those industries and that you're selling a product that actually makes sense for using it or you're a publisher who who is relying on ad camp, on ads to generate that
0: revenue. All right, Katie, you have clients. I don't. So let's go ahead and walk through the mechanics of it. So, Katie, you're a client and you have come to the the realization that AMP is the way to go. What would you be asking, Ross, once you've made that commitment?
1: I think what I would want to ask is what do I have to take away what, what are you going to be doing less for me? Or how are you balancing that time? What should I be replacing um, with all of this extra work that AMP takes?
3: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is like when you're installing AMP, the biggest costs come down to a few things. Like first and foremost, you're going to have to put in some resources and time as it relates to development and design to make sure that your landing pages are where they need to be. Um, so you're going to start with like an AMP pilot page. So you're just going to have a page that your client can review. It's going to be bare bones. It's going to allow them to see what it's going to feel like when they access this page or this content on the mobile. From there, you're going to want to ensure that your team is trained and familiarized with uh, the different AMP components in the different way that they leverage HTML uh, and the way that they kind of leverage canonical pages and things like that. All of those things need to be considered and you have to train your team on that. The other resource cost is going to be like actually ensuring that there's some maintenance to this. So like we were talking about earlier, I would never tell someone that this is a small and easy investment. You're going to have to have maintenance solely for AMP. You have to make sure that you're tracking it, that you're monitoring it. Uh, And then from there, there's always the cost that relates to performance testing and doing A-B tests. Because I would say the the first step that I would take is to move over a few pages to AMP, see how they do, uh, and A-B test that against some of your other pages. And if you notice right away that the pages that have AMP on them are performing way better, and they're driving conversion, they're driving more traffic, they're ranking better, then you can actually say, okay, there's probably a financial reason why we should make this move. Or maybe you'll say there's not. Um, So I think that there's. It's definitely important to recognize you do have to have that resource discussion and training and there's gonna be a bit of an onboarding process that takes place there. Uh, But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's gonna come down to doing an A-B test, see what works best for you, and then use that to kind of guide what your next steps are.
0: And I think that's something that our audience should be aware of is that this AMP integration is really two versions of the same page, right? I mean, because even in the code, it says, here is a link, the canonical link, the link to the original page that you can see on the desktop, right? And then here is the AMP rendering of that. So we really are talking about two pages. So to make this commitment, you can identify those one, two, five pages that you're going to test with, knowing that you're leaving those pages intact you're just adding an extra layer right so that when google sees it they can render and serve that amp page to those viewers and in turn you can then compare between the original page right and the new page and see what they look like so that's an important thing because i I think a lot of people have the misconception that you have to change the entire site every single page to be this new format when you just finally figured out HTML5, for instance.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: No, that's not the case. (laughs) So let's go through another implementation example, because I think you're spot on with the start small, monitor test, see what the lift looks like. Um, right. Then let's kind of go through the UI UX experience of this because if this starts to take off, right, then right. you will be uh, validated, if you will, that I should spend more resources towards it because I'm seeing the results and it's worth the time and investment. But I also want to come back and talk about the user experience in that page because when AMP originally came out, my biggest frustration with it was the fact that it had no form implementation, right? You couldn't put an right. app, you know, any, you know, form inputs in there. They have since added that in. So there's a lot of things that are missing from yep. the AMP specification that we as marketers have relied on. So talk a little bit about those trade-offs when it comes to the user experience. How should I start thinking about as a marketer, those AMP pages from a ability to get people to act?
3: Yeah, so I think this has been, without question, amongst marketers, the biggest downside of AMP. And they are recently like making more changes and they're allowing for a little bit of flexibility, but they do have a simple rule. Uh, their rule is that the content is king and when it comes to anything that could get in way of the content, you cannot have it. So there will not be any pop-ups that show up over the text and you have to exit it out. Those things do not exist. Uh, there's a space at the bottom where you can have an ad uh, and then maybe potentially at, like a big box at in the middle of your text, but it can't pop up over text. You can't have to force a user to kind of move a little widget away so they can reach your content. That doesn't exist in AMP. It's trying to move away from all that extra JavaScript that would essentially slow down your page and really focus on the guts of your pages and your content, which the, the user really wants. So what my recommendation is, is to think about uh, your content as it relates to kind of capturing emails as potentially a page number 2. So if you want to acquire somebody, you're going to send them to a secondary page within that first page. So let's say you have a blog post that is in amp. I get to it faster because you've installed amp on that blog post. While I'm reading that blog post, there very well might be a link or an image within your piece that is driving me to a secondary page on your website. That website does not have to be an amp. What AMP focuses on is that initial page that you get to. So if I'm visiting a blog post from the Washington Post, I might read that entire post, see a link, I click it, I'm going to a call to action that's asking me to sign up for a subscription. That doesn't happen within the AMP interface. It happens directly on the Washington Post site. Um, And the speed was to immediately get me that first landing page. Gotcha.
0: Katie, I'll leave the last question with you.
1: Yeah, I think as I'm listening to some of the trade-offs, it it all makes a lot of sense. And especially when you're thinking about um, the opportunity, if you have a lot of mobile traffic to your site, really optimizing for that that position that you might not have otherwise gotten without some of Google's tools. Uh, It's such a big conversation now with featured snippets and other things um, that innovations that Google is making as as Google and other search engines get ready for voice search, honestly, and um, that the trend going up where people are asking a question and looking for that direct, quick answer. Um, So I really liked all of your points. And I'm curious, do you think how do you see Amp working with voice search as voice search continues to grow?
3: I think there's a real opportunity for it. Like when I think about voice search and how it's just resulting in people wanting things faster, I think that AMP is going to play a role in it. Uh, Recently, there was also an announcement that AMP is rolling out potentially something called STAMP, which the ST in that stands for um, stories. So they're looking at kind of injecting stories into their entire platform, where when you do that search, it's showing up um, at the top, sort of like a Snapchat style or Instagram story style, but with an article. So they're trying to Again, give more priority to these fast, quick pages. But I think voice search is another piece where that comes into the mix. If I'm asking someone for, if I'm asking uh, Siri or if I'm asking Alexa a question and it's using Google Search, it's going to deliver me back content. It needs to get that quickly, and one of the great ways to do that is through Google Cache. So if Google already has all of these assets on its server and in its cache, it can provide me with that information quicker. So um, it's again, kind of creepy to think Google's taking all of our content and they're gonna have kind of a little bit of control, but at the same time, if you wanna have that speed and you wanna be able to kind of accelerate quickly, this is just one of those things again, where we either have to uh, jump on it and be with Google for the ride and see what happens, or we can reject it and take our chances with the, what we've been doing for the past few years. Ross,
0: thank you so much for sharing your insight into this important change in the ecosystem of the web. And I think the advice you have given is spot on. And absolutely, it is not a small conversation to be had. But you are correct. If you get a lot of mobile traffic, this is something you're going to have to really think about. talk about and potentially do Ross thank you for being on the show
3: thanks for having me appreciate it
0: and we'll be right back after this short break hey everyone this is Sean Jackson the host of the digital entrepreneur and I want to ask you a simple question what is your business framework for selling digital goods online now if the question perplexes you don't worry you are not alone Most people don't realize that the most successful digital entrepreneurs have a framework or a general process for creating and selling their digital goods in the online space. And one of the best free resources is Digital Commerce Academy. Digital Commerce Academy combines online learning with case studies and webinars created by people who make a living selling digital goods online. And the best part is that this material is free when you register. Are you interested in joining? Well, I'll make it easy for you. If you're listening to the show on your phone and are in the continental United States, I want you to send a text message to 313131 with the keyword digits, D-I-G-I-T-S. And when you send that text message, we will send you a link to the registration form right to your phone. Are you outside the United States? Don't worry. Just send us an email to digits at rainmaker.fm. Either way, we'll send you a link to the registration form so that you can sign up for free for Digital Commerce Academy. And as a special bonus, we will also subscribe you to our newsletter when you text or email us so that you can stay informed with the latest insights from the show. And don't worry, we respect your privacy and we will not share your email or phone number and you can easily unsubscribe at any time. So if you want to start building or improving your framework for selling digital goods online, then please send a text to 313131 with the keyword digits or send us an email at digits at rainmaker.fm. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back from the break. Katie, great guest. I mean, absolutely spot on in how he looked at and the reasons and the issues with installing AMP on a site.
1: Absolutely. I The whole time was taking diligent notes. Ross is awesome. I've always enjoyed the content that he shares on social. So it was really a lot of fun to pick his brain today.
0: And we'll make sure to put some show notes in the show notes, some links to some of the things that he's written about this because he really is on the forefront. And I think he is someone that really can help guide you towards that decision and to the implementation. All right. So in this portion of the show, we always cover off on certain tics, tactics, techniques, books, etc. And I'm going to recommend a book now katie that blew me away i read it over the break and i picked up a copy it is the only book that i think i've highlighted almost every page on it okay it's that (laughs) important and it actually goes into today's topic the name of the book is the smarter screen by shlomo benarazzi great name right shlomo
1: (laughs) great name
0: so here's the thing shlomo actually worked very close to uh, Professor Thaler, who just won the Nobel Prize in economics, okay, for his work uh, on nudging people towards a new pattern of behavior. So Shlomo took some of that work they did together and put it in a book called The Smarter Screen, which is ways to influence and improve online behavior. So it's a lot about behavioral economics to push people towards a certain uh, uh, action on your website. And I'm telling you now, Katie, I was, uh, from the moment I read the introduction all the way through the book, I was blown away. I mean, concrete, hardcore examples where he's taken research in the field on behavioral economics and applied it to how to, and this sounds terrible, manipulate your <laughs> viewers, but manipulate them to the good things that you want them to do, not towards bad things. So if you have a chance, I highly recommend, I bought copies for several people in the company. I was blown away by it. The Smarter Screen by Shlomo Benarazzi. I will put a link in the show notes. I cannot recommend this book enough if getting people to your site is only part of the answer to the equation of how to get them to act in the way that you want to. So this is the round actions. That's why I like it.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like it's perfect next step to make sure that your AMP content is actually effective, Mm -hmm. but also possibly listening to Ross, it would be very helpful as a digital entrepreneur to be able to convince your clients to use AMP
0: exactly exactly all sorts of goodness in it Alrighty, folks that will be the episode on google amp or just amp as ross says uh for this show and we will hit you next time with more great ideas and content for our next episode of the digital entrepreneur have a great week everyone